0: So instead, what we did was we um, we went did, we're selling a lot to marketing people and marketing ops people, commercial okay. ops people, and they spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, so we basically uh, built up uh, an audience on LinkedIn by talking to to, to these people. Mm-hmm. And that has been probably our most successful uh, growth factor.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the B2B SaaS podcast. Today, we have Lars Gronegaard with us. Hey, Lars, welcome to the show. Hey,
0: Pedra. Hey, Ophendra. Thanks for having me on the show. All right,
1: Lars. So let's let's try to understand what your company does, right? And why customers pay you money. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a bit about that?
0: Yeah. So uh, I'm the CEO of a company called Dream Data and a co-founder of the company. And we help most B2B SaaS companies understand how their go-to-market strategy works, both at sort of a strategic level and at a more tactical level. So which things they do lead to new customers, which things are cost-efficient and and that kind of thing. All right, so
1: uh, I want to deep dive into this a bit, right? So can you just pick one of your customers, right, and help me understand, right, how you're helping them exactly? You can talk a bit about, talk, you know, the specifics here as well, right, what your product does exactly, right, and how you are able to do that.
0: Yeah, so like a typical customer for us would be like a B2B SaaS company and um, we would offer basically... um, tracking of everything that goes on on the website, and then we would be pulling data out of the CRM system, their various advertising systems, and the marketing automation platform. Get all that data together. And once you have that data in one data platform, you can do things like say, okay, um, how much revenue did my marketing team contribute last month? Or you can, from the marketing team, you can say, hey, I spent 50000 Dollars on Google ads last month, was some of that actually effective? Did some of it uh, impact the pipeline, was some of it like without any impact? And then you can uh, remove spend and you can sort of readjust your spend. And then right. you can also, like for for ad platforms, you can feed some of the data uh, directly back to the ad platform so that they can optimize the ad serving based on that.
1: All right. So what? Where do you pull in all of these data from? You mentioned ad plot ad platforms. Are there any other yeah. data sources that you typically sort of pull in data from?
0: Yeah. Uh. So like we mostly work with B two B SaaS companies. So very often LinkedIn ads is a big source of uh of advertising uh, leads. Uh, Google ads, especially search ads, but also display ads. Um. B2B SaaS, like we are big on T 2 and Capterra, so review platforms are also important. So mm-hmm. that's uh, some of the platforms we pull data from. And then uh, big CRM systems, like Salesforce is, of course, a very big one. HubSpot is a, like, also becoming more and more popular also in mid-market. Um, and then we have tracking data, which either we have our own tracking infrastructure or we can pull data from products like segment.com. Got it.
1: And and do you have any intelligence added on top of all of this data, right? Is that your product or are you just showing all of this data in a nice, easy to use fashion?
0: I think the big, of course, is like at the end, there's some intelligence. But I think the very hard part is actually uh, stitching all the data together into one data model. Um, That's where if you want to build this yourself, that's where you're going to break your neck because you're pulling data from maybe 10, 15 sources, maybe 20 sources. Each source has a representation of the user, of the company, uh, maybe a representation of business value, and a representation of something somebody did. So there, like every object in your data model exists in all these systems, and now you have to deduplicate everything, stitch it together, so that you could basically say, "Hey, this pipeline deal I created yesterday, okay, which company was it for? That's easy. Who were the people? Who were the other people I already know in other systems, and what did they do?" And if I can associate some money I spent, what, like, how did that impact? So tying it all together, mm-hmm. that's really the big sort of uh, effort of our product. And then okay. once you've done that, you can apply um, different types of advanced statistics on top of it. We also do that. Um, but typically, like, if you are, say, a data team internally in a company, that's probably what you like to do. Yeah. What you hate doing is all the stitching of data. Um, so we have a lot of we have customers that use our product. Like very tactically out in the show, like looking at the data in our product, but we also have lots of customers that are basically just taking our data models, putting them into BigQuery or uh, Snowflake, and using them there in their own uh, as part of their own data infrastructure.
1: Got it. Let's talk about your customers here, right? So, how many customers, paying customers, do you have on your platform as of today? Uh,
0: so, we have a hundred paying customers, and then we have roughly three to four hundred uh, free customers. So, we have um, a very sort of a super useful free product. Okay. <laughs> we also have to think it's useful. But basically, um, if you're using Google Analytics for your web analytics, um, it's uh, not that great for B2B companies because you're typically just counting people. Um, mm-hmm. So we have like a B2B equivalent of, uh, of Google Analytics that we offer for free. So we have like four to 500 customers on that that are free. Yeah. And then we have around 100 paying customers that are using sort of pulling in all the different data sources and getting the product. So
1: I want to get a sense of how big these customers are, right? Typically, how much do they pay you on a, on a monthly or on a yearly um, basis?
0: So the average customer is paying roughly 30,000 euros or dollars annually. Um, but we have customers that are sort of stepping into the enterprise sector. But we are definitely sort of a S&P mid-market uh, type of company at the moment. Got it right so that that makes a lot of sense and i want to understand your
1: growth as well right before we yeah. move on to your you know you know growth journey right so like last last year 12 months before today right so where were you how many customers you had on your platform
0: so we last year we roughly uh 4x both our revenue and our customer base paid customers so we had like a, a very good uh year of growth last year um you yeah. essentially moved so, from twenty
1: five to hundred odd customers in a year. That's yeah, what doing. something like that. Yeah. Right. So,
0: so we are also at the beginning of the journey. So, growing from a small base, you can have some really hefty growth numbers. But it was a really good year for us, for sure.
1: But let's let's talk about this, right? So where you're getting all of yeah. these growth and customers from? Like, what's really been working yeah. for you? Just just start so, from your top of funnel, so that we could deep dive yeah. and understand how it's all working for you, just purely from I a top of funnel have, perspective. Uh, like, what's working for you as of today?
0: I think we've tried many different things, and mm-hmm. some things were not that effective. We did uh, outbound sales, which is uh, maybe you go to go to tactic for early stage, and it, it maybe also because of the people we were, it didn't work very well for us. Um, so instead, what we did was we um, we went and did we're selling a lot to marketing people and marketing ops people, commercial mm-hmm. ops people, and they spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, so we basically. Uh, build up uh, an audience on LinkedIn by talking to to, to these people. Mm-hmm. And that has been probably our most successful uh, growth factor.
1: All right. So what if do you, you other- mean by building audience? I want to understand this, right? So is it you being establishing yourself as a brand or influencer or like, is it that company's brand? Like what's yeah. happening on LinkedIn? Just.
0: Deep dive into it. They, me and, and other people from the company. So we made a sort of a mission for everybody in the commercial team to be very visible on LinkedIn and communicate to uh, our sort of core audience, our ICP and core persona, and basically engage with them and talk about things that they care about, which is marketing, B two B marketing, B two B SaaS marketing. How do you do it? What worked with this? And what are the pains? It basically. I think it, it's not that hard if you if you're super excited about yourself. It's just talking about the stuff that you love and building connections with these people. And for salespeople, because sometimes we have salespeople that would come in from other um, verticals. Well, that is part of their onboarding is you know stepping into this um, social media uh, selling strategy and and building up their audience.
1: Okay, so Does that make so. Sense? uh i want to understand a bit more here right so so just help me quantify right so so out of you know you you had around, you've got around 75 new customers right so mm-hmm. what proportion of these customers have actually discovered you through this social media strategy of yours
0: yeah i would say probably 50 to 60% uh, and what about uh, the rest 40
1: can you just help me close So that the story? rest
0: i think we have uh, so our product solves some problems that that people are actually looking for solutions to like mm-hmm. for instance revenue attribution It's something that a lot of customers out there are looking for solutions to. So for these, say, high demand searches, we rank really well and we pay for them. So we also do um, a paid search. And then we also have a sort of quite aggressive strategy on review building and building a presence on on G2 and Capterra. And, you know, if you are enterprise, you're you're doing a lot of... uh, Uh, talking to um, analysts at at Gartner, et cetera. But for our market, we're better off investing in um, in T2 and just like getting our customers to talk about us there. And that's also very effective. And then we have, because we integrate with a lot of different technologies, we also have sort of a trickle of customers coming in from those technologies. So, you know, you're on HubSpot, but you're looking for someone to fix attribution for you. Okay, you'll find us. Or you're on Segment, you know, you'll Mm -hmm. find us. Got it, and
1: and this is your top of funnel, right? So so just yeah. I think obviously I want to talk, focus on the most you know brilliant thing that you're doing, right? So just talk about this LinkedIn social stra- selling strategy that you have. Just just talk clearly what's happening, right? So how many people on your team? What exactly do they do on a regular basis? Do you really go and connect to these cold you know pe- cold yeah. leads out there? What's the exact strategy? Just just talk about that process. Here. So
0: the the strategy is like one, uh, make sure you use up uh, all your connections mm-hmm. and to make sure that you understand, that you talk about something that people care about. Don't talk about your product. Don't talk about yourself, but talk about the problems that you share with your customers. So you're a salesperson, you're selling. Okay, talk about selling. That will help you engage with an audience that cares about selling and go to market. Don't tell them that your product is going to be fantastic and solve that problem, but just talk about you know, how you use your own product or how you have you know, pains with your boss or whatever it is that is like something that you care deeply about, just be and be quite consistent about talking about that. That's how you build an audience. And it can be, things can range from very serious topics. So it could be like, uh, you know, you're struggling with your boss or uh, like your burnout or like you can have different things that are like like heavy topics, um, Mm -hmm. which are relevant. But you can also have very light stuff like uh, you know memes, or you post like you know repurpose uh, memes, and we have a lot of yeah. success with that. Uh, so, so,
1: how many folks in your team sort of do this on a regular basis, right? So, and how many followers do they
0: have, like typically? So, we have uh, around like eight people doing this uh, very regularly, and the most successful of them have like plus ten thousand followers, and if you're New to it or not as active as the best of us, then you might be at a couple of thousand followers. So,
1: and do you as a company, you know, focus on building this audience as well? Right? How do you grow that 10,000 number to let's say 20,000? Do you have any <laughs> tips or tricks there, or it just happens yeah, organically I think for you?
0: We made a conscious decision to make this uh, personal. So, mm-hmm. I think that's also maybe the risky part of it. Uh, it is not as such a company asset, it is more of a personal asset for the Commercial person for the salesperson, or the CS person, or the marketing person, um, and that works really well on a platform like LinkedIn, where it is personal. Uh, but of course, it it is you know in that sense a bit risky because it is not dream data that has all the followers. It is Laura who has the followers, or Stefan, yeah. or yeah. You have to live so, with that.
1: Okay, so it's it's just <laughs> you depending upon your team, you know, teammates to sort of go about doing their business and getting things done, right? So you don't have any, you know, particular strategy or, you know, vision around how many followers you want to grow to. It's just
0: happening organically. Is that how it is? I think it's, it's, it's happening organically, but also by us talking a lot about it and mm-hmm. leading around it, uh, making mm-hmm. space for it, uh, making, sh- and also, you know, like, talking about it yeah. as something that is important to the company. Got it. Because that, that is-, is building a lot of pipeline. I got it. It so is. Let's,
1: it, yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to your bottom of funnel, right? I mean, you've, you've got, you know, great, I guess, great sort of leads coming in, right? What happens? How do you close a $30,000 deal, right? Like what happens after that? Do you have any sales reps sort of trying to chase those leads and close them out? And how does your sales cycle look like?
0: Yeah. So we have like an inside sales team uh, that will engage with inbound leads. And the typical inbound lead for us is someone signing up for the free product mm-hmm. or somebody requesting a demo. Um, And I think we, also early on made a decision to have a very scalable product so that we could offer free trials and, and have a free product. So that's part of our maybe DNA as who we are as product people and and company builders. Um, so that's a fundamental part of our sales cycle is letting people try the product so that they can see that it actually works and that it does what we promise it will do. Uh, so that's fundamental. And then apart from that, it is, you you can say, because you're trying the product, it becomes a bit more of a, say, helpful sale, where the salesperson is maybe less aggressive on pushing the product and more sort of a helpful person trying to, you know, a bit like yeah. customer success type of person, helping yeah. the customer see the value of the product.
1: So how many salespeople do you have on your team as of today who actually managed to close these 75 deals last year?
0: <laughs> we have four people
1: poor people ended up closing seventy-five yeah. deals, approximately of twenty thirty thousand dollars ACV. Yeah, yeah. Some that of them seems insane. There last year. Yeah, that yeah, seems been, insane. Well, like, like, what, what's 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 how is it even working for you? I mean, like, what's really been working? Like, is it just because your product is too good, or what's what's do you have any insights over there? I mean, it's just too good and I'm too good to the growth story. I think the to be big,
0: I, I would say, the the big thing for us has been this: the ability to let people try the product. Um. Mm-hmm. That's been very important for us uh, and as uh, as part of our sort of so way of, of doing Talk sales. about what
1: happens. Right? Let's say an inbound lead discovers you, right? And they start trying out your free product. They, they derive some value out of yeah. it. At this point, what happens? Does your sales salesperson jump there and what exactly does he do? And how, do, how does he end up converting that? Let's just talk about that process. Yeah,
0: I think there are two paths. So one is like you're signing up for the free product and you're actually just using it. Then we will qualify you as ICP and not like... Are you sort of fitting our ideal customer profile? If you are, then we will have somebody reach out and in a helpful way, say, okay, can I help you try the product and see if this is something that you might consider buying as well? Okay. So that's sort of one path. The other path is like a demo request, which is more of a standard journey, which is like you you come in, you ask for a demo, you book a, in the calendar of the rep, and then we would typically go through you know, you, the steps of a, of a normal qualification, you'll talk to, talk to people, try to figure out if they have a problem we solve, et cetera. And we would also very often throw in uh, like trying the product. It depends a bit. The larger the company, if you're a large company, it can be hard to try a product because maybe the, the biggest commitment for a large company is maybe not the money, it's more giving us the data, um, So so they are more, you know, they're not willing to actually try the product because getting to a stage where they can commit to giving us the data actually requires them to go through the entire buying process. So, so, so are, are,
1: are most of these customers trying out a revenue attribution platform for the first time or are they trying to switch from somebody else? Like what, how does this, you know, it varies data look like?
0: It varies. Uh, so European customers, are, very often, it's a first time purchase. Uh, US customers very often have uh, had experience with other uh, platforms. And our second or third time buyers of a similar type of product. Uh, Got it.
1: Right. So, and let's let's talk about your churn. Right. I mean, I guess like how how are you manage? Like how are you able to sort of keep hold of your customers? Right. So, are they churning out? Like how does your expansion rate look like?
0: I think like uh, churn and expansion is where we're working a lot right now. Uh, we are, you can say, our product is an analytics product, and right now that that's at least for a lot of our customers, that is what it is. And it means that you're relying on people to look at the product and use the product and put that those, like do their own analysis and put it into action. Mm-hmm. So we are building up a lot of capabilities to the product to make sure that you can have, uh, say, set and forget type of features where you connect, and then the, con- the product continues to deliver um, value. Also, if you're not continuously access product. So we do a lot of work in that space. And then the other end is that we are, we very much like customers who work directly with the data and build the data into their daily processes. And I would say if, if we manage to get those things happening for a customer, then we have very, very low churn rates and nice upsell also. So do you uh, have any whereas... initial
1: numbers on how your expansion, expansion look like? So did you manage to convert any $30,000 deal to let's say $60,000 or so?
0: Not there. We're not there yet. I think that for us, we've been focusing on driving quite high uh, contracts as the initial contract, and that makes this sort of very big expansion quite hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're maybe leaning a bit towards trying to, maybe we're, I'm not sure about it, but I have a feeling that going for a slightly lower entry point, yeah. sort of A, can cut the time of the sale. I don't think we have a very long sales cycle, but you can have more success in sales so, if you have.
1: Just just like how big is that sales cycle? Is it in months, the like quarters? How big yeah, is that? Yeah, like
0: 60 days. 60, 60 days from initial contact to closing a deal on average. Got it. Um,
1: let's let's move on to your backstory, right? So I want to understand like when did you start the company,
0: yeah. right? What's the story there? So the story of the company is basically with uh, three co-founders and two of us work together in another SaaS company. And... Mm-hmm. We had all the problems that we're solving now. Um, so we had a ton of data from different go-to-market systems and a lot of tracking data. And the last thing we wanted was to spend like two years building uh, data infrastructures, fitting all this data together. But there really wasn't any way around doing that. Um, and, you know, basically we said, okay, one, so we solved it in that context. There was a company called Trustpilot mm-hmm. and that was great. Lots of value out of that. Um, we had insights that we could never have had any other way and lots of nice automations based on it. So it's great, uh, very successful pro- project in the company. But at the same time, we're like, why is this not a product? Like, why did we have to do this when we were using HubSpot Salesforce segment, Google ads, Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads? Like, we were using all the standard stuff. Like, why did we have to sit for two years and build data pipelines that just didn't make sense mm-hmm. because it was so okay. standard. Yeah, um, So that was the fundamental. And where did you
1: get your first few customers, first couple of customers?
0: Uh, the first customers, I think what we did is we are sort of coming out of a product and engineering background. So we were quite careful about not assuming that other people would want what we thought was a great idea. So we basically went out, pitched just based on it, you know decked uh, to our to, to network in Copenhagen, where we're from, mm-hmm. and try to find like if anybody else in similar situations, to, the, to we had an idea about who we we're going to be selling to, yeah. approaching them, would they actually pay for this? And at some point where we had a couple of people say, okay, we'd actually pay for this. You know, mm-hmm. Okay, great, pay us. And then we built sort of initial prototypes with them. Um, that's how we got started. And I think that's was a, maybe, uh, it's like 18, 2018.
1: Yeah, and how many folks do you have on your com- team as of today? Right, how big is your company? Oh, thirty-five people now. And how many in the GTM in go-to-market? In the go-to-market team, is like twelve people. Got it. And yeah, just just uh, did you raise any external funding so far to build your company? Yeah.
0: So we raised actually three on three occasions. So we raised, um, mm-hmm. is that nineteen? Uh, from Seedcamp in London, and some other investors, some local investors as well. And then in uh, 2020, also from a London investor and an Icelandic investor. Um, and then we just raised a Series A from a German investor um, end of last year. Got it. All
1: right. So one last question here. Right. So what's the vision here? Where do you see your company growing in the next five years or
0: so? So the big vision is automating a lot of go-to-market based on the data. I think that is our big vision. You can say Amazon does not employ a million salespeople, and we don't see any reason why a sort of B2B companies shouldn't be able to um, to have some of the same levels of automation that a company like Amazon has. Uh, but one of the big things holding back those companies is data, and we are, we are like, we want to solve that problem, and we want to be sort of the foundation for companies in the B2B space becoming as automated in that go-to market uh, motion. All right, Lars. That's a big vision. Yeah. All right,
1: Lars. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Hope you scale Dream Data to much, much greater heights. Thank you. Thank you, Vendra.